Hello and welcome to the Coda Career Podcast. My name is Cameron Blackwood. I'm a former technical recruiter and now a software engineer. I interview people from across the world of tech to give you the insight that you need to level up in your career, whether you wrote Hello World last week or whether you're an industry veteran. This week, I'm joined by two really exciting guests who are currently looking to shake up the world of Web3. There's barely any Web3 developers in the world right now, despite it being a massive industry. Dan and Callum are from a company called Calyptus. Calyptus aims to take experienced software engineers and teach them the relevant Web3 technologies that they can use to advance their career in this emerging industry. If you're at all interested in what the future of the web could look like, then this podcast is certainly worth a listen. Before we get started, please do consider checking out our Patreon for some amazing member-only benefits and join our free Discord server. But without further ado, it's time to grab a coffee, push those commits, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me. How are you both doing? Doing very well, Ken. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. Uh, just uh, yeah, keeping on, keeping on, so can't complain. For the audience that haven't come across you before, um, do you want to both explain a little bit about um, who you are and what you're working on? Um, I recognize my questioning is a bit um, fumbled here, but because this is the first time actually, if the listeners haven't noticed, we have more than one guest on today. We're very lucky to be here. That's for sure. Uh, thanks for having us, Cam. Um, and thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I'm Callum, a uh, co-founder at uh, Calyptus. We are a, a training and employment platform to transform software developers into blockchain developers. Uh, we've recently started, only three or four months old, um, and it's been an exciting journey uh, to date. So looking forward to telling you all about it. Brilliant. And uh, I'm Dan. Uh, Callum's my Better half. Uh, I am also co-founder at uh, Eucalyptus. Um, excited to be on the show, Cam. Oh, great to have you both here. Um, so the way we like to warm things up normally on Code of Career is uh, some quick fire questions. Uh, so um, hopefully you guys uh, have some uh, have some answers uh, stored for those ones. Um, usually some interesting uh, interesting stuff comes out of this. So I guess we'll just have to do it. One, um, one of you will just have to jump in first. I'm not used to doing it this way. So um, for each of you, what, what was your first ever computer? It's embarrassing. I, I, I don't I don't even know, Cam. I, I remember that it was blue and it was a brick, um, and it took about ten minutes to to turn on and off. Um, but it just about lasted my school days. Um, it did me well. Mine was a uh, a Windows ninety eight. It was my dad's hand me down. Took about fifteen minutes to uh, to fire up. I don't think it had internet either. It had like no ADSL or dial up tone. It was just um, I just played games on it. You know, like roller roller coaster tycoon and Sims and Bill's desktop. <laughs> <laughs> roller coaster tycoon was quality. That was uh, that was one of my favourites when I was a kid as well. It was. Uh... Really, um, really good. Yeah, I think mine was for, my, my first one was ninety eight as well. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I had someone on recently who his first computer was a um, twenty fourteen Mac. I was like, the kids these days. Are getting, uh, some, some of the guests are getting, like, uh, Gen, I'm Gen starting Z, to feel a bit old. Yeah, Gen Z. Yeah. yeah, it feels weird not um, not being uh, not being a super young one anymore. Um, and uh, for for each of you, uh, obviously you're both. Um, I believe you're both working in London at the moment. But what, what what's your favourite tech cities? It's a really difficult question. Um, I, I want to say London, but actually, uh, Dan and I have been speaking with a lot of people out in Singapore um, recently, uh, and it seems that yeah, there's there's a, a whole bunch of incredibly smart and forward thinking folks from over there. So I'm going to go Singapore. Bit out there. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just to not be boring and say London uh, as much as I don't know any better, uh, uh, Miami is probably the place to be right now in the, in the blockchain tech scene. Uh, so I'll go for that one. Mm, nice. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot about um, Miami's blockchain scene. Is it? I guess it's big in Singapore then as well, like you're saying, because uh, I guess because of the le- uh, the financial um, uh, financial scene there is huge, right? So um, I guess it would make sense to. Uh, uh, for it to be a blockchain center. Um, so a lot of the potential partnerships you're doing, is that out there? or um, Not at first. At first, that will be very much Europe-focused, but we are intending to, to glo- go global with, with Calyptus um, pretty quickly. And yeah, you're absolutely right about Miami too. I think, I think the reason why they've got such a thriving scene is, is a lot due to their mayor, um, who is really pushing blockchain and crypto narrative forward, which is, yeah really exciting to see interesting it's quite odd to have quite a switched on politician to technology but i like to hear it um cool and uh for each of you what what kind of music do you like to listen to while you're building um building the web3 accelerator uh <laughs> ambience music anything that just doesn't have any lyrics or anything that's too catchy otherwise I, you know, my brain starts wanting to dance along and i just don't get any real work done so. <laughs> similar sort of thing for me actually i find that if- if I listen to too many lyrics, I'm I'm very distracted. So it's it's yeah, it's like I don't know, Bonobo, Ali Farcatore, those sorts of uh, lovely kind of bop along, but uh, not too many lyrics involved. Yeah, it's a similar case to me. I thought I find a lot of the um the devs that come on here as well are the same thing where it's just lyrics can clash with the thought process a little bit. Um, like I, I've never been able to understand people that can listen to podcasts while they code, unless it's code a career, in which case obviously listen away. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. I second <laughs> that. My brain a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for for each of you, when when you do work, I mean, most people I've spoken to that are in like Web three and blockchain, uh, they tend to be night owls. But do you say you guys are night owls or early birds? <sighs> See, I've, I've I've always been a, a, a night owl. Uh, I I think it's because even being at like my school, I was always ten minutes up the road. So you know, I just I just roll out of bed <laughs> and run down the hill. So uh, you know, I, I was never really a, a early bird, and I used to stay up quite late. I think I could have that's kind of stuck. But now we're uh, startup founders. You know, uh, twelve hour days or so. <laughs> it's early bird and night owl. I think. Yeah, I I would would agree that I definitely used to be a night owl. Like at university, not doing my uh, essays and whatnot, and staying up all night to complete them. But but these days, I've I've just a couple of years ago um, got myself a dog, and she requires walking very early in the morning. So I am very much uh, an early bird now, and I do love the feeling of getting to lunch and feeling like I've been really productive already, and like there's there's more to come still. So yeah. I'd say early bird now and I'm, I'm starting just about to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, dogs definitely force that change. Like whenever I'm at my, uh, parents, um, they've got two collies and it's just like, there's just no getting up past 6am really. Cause they will just run in, just jump on you. Like all the rest of it. Like they, they, they won't let you sleep. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. Most of the time until you've had a few drinks the night before and, and then it's not quite so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can can relate, unfortunately. Um, and uh, what what I mean, I can definitely tell that uh, your answers for what you wanted to, to. The next question is is what you each want to do when you're a kid. And um, blockchain straight up was not a thing when uh, when we were kids. So, what did you each want to want to do before before blockchain came on the radar? 
Okay. Um, I mean, it, it's it's quite funny you pulled Rollercoaster Tycoon out because I actually wanted to be a rollercoaster designer. Uh, that that was the, the the ideal situation, and then it got more serious. And I was thinking, oh, you know, actually maybe like an architect and building something that's that's uh, a, a bit more uh, 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 professionalized. Um, and then actually, I was told that architects uh, have a really high failure rate. <laughs> so oh, I was wow. like, my, my my dreams were uh, were shattered, and I thought I have to I have to start again, but. But yeah, it started with roadcoaster design. I went downhill from there. Love that, Dan. Um, mine's quite cheesy, to be honest. I, I have always wanted to to start a business. I did that whole um, selling sweets out of my locker at school. And, oh, nice. And I, you know, I knew I was going to find something that I was passionate about, and uh, you know, as passionate about as sweets. Um, and here I am. Yeah, crypto captured me about five or six years ago, and uh, haven't been able to stop falling down rabbit hole after rabbit hole since. So. Yeah, pleased to be doing something, um, and I guess fulfilling a childhood dream. Very nice. Yeah, there was always that kid in every school, no matter, I'm sure whatever country you grew up in, uh, there's always that kid in school that uh, made a packet load selling sweets. So um, yeah, I wish I'd done it, but uh, my mum didn't have a Costco membership, so I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get the cheap stock. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it was brilliant. I was selling, you know, it was three for a pound on those sweets, and I could sell one packet of them for two pounds. Easy. Good work. Can, good can, work. Can, you, can you can you can you still do that? Never made easier money. Probably probably couldn't anymore. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked a bit about um, blockchain and Web three already, and um, obviously not not everyone who listens to this will be that familiar with that world because I think uh, most guests I've had on before are more in sort of conventional software engineering. Um, so so in layman's terms, um, can you guys like outline like what Web three is and why people should be excited about it? Yeah, sure. I, I think I'll take that one. Um, I think the simplest way to, to put it is that Web3 is the ownership economy. There are no intermediaries and it is decentralized by nature. So you know, take yourself back to the 90s. As the internet was gaining steam, websites were developed by corporations and it was very difficult for your average Joe or Jess to, to create their own content. That was called Web1, if you like. Web2 came about when social media um, was was born. Suddenly it was easy for consumers to generate their own content on the internet. Yet this content is ultimately owned again by the corporations that own those platforms that we post on. So Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Web3 then is, is a step change. We now have uh, blockchain technology, a new method of storing data online that enables both encryption and distributed computing. To put that simply, these concepts together uh, mean that data can be stored in a way that it's only ever under the control of the person who owns it. Now, you probably can hear my dog groaning in the background. My apologies. Um, so... Look the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there's there's other really important aspects of, of, of Web3. It's built on open source software, it's trustless, and it's permissionless. And what this does is it empowers the user and negates the need for a third party uh, when sending Bitcoin to a friend, for example. So to tie that up, uh, back in the 90s, we had Web1. Think of that as being able to read on the internet. In the mid-2000s, Web2 was upon us. And this was primarily user-generated content. So think of that as both read and write. Finally then, 
Web3 dawned just a, a few years back. And what it enables the average user to do is not only read content, write and distribute their own content, but also have sole ownership of that content. So read, write, and own. I hope that makes sense, Cam. Yeah, ab absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's a really nice, concise uh, explanation because uh, Web3 is sometimes one of those things where you ask 10 people what it is and you get 10 different responses. But uh, yeah, it's a really good way of uh, really good way of explaining it. And uh, how did you each find yourself um, yourselves in, in this industry? Because it's a really something that's right at the forefront. So it's a tough one to break into. And a lot of the time it's clouded in mystery about how people actually get involved. Yeah, mine, mine was pretty... Kind of unassuming technologies or always you know been something that's interested me but I, I somewhat stumbled across bitcoin when when at university in about 2013 very sadly uh did not take the time to learn about it wrote it off pretty quickly and it wasn't until the summer of 2017 or so when a close friend of mine uh, introduced me to ethereum and i started reading up on it and saw the impact that it that it could make. Um, I must be honest, I dipped my toe in with a, a small investment, um, which perhaps, you know, isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. But I found that having um, some money invested meant that I was much more invested myself, it made it much more easy for, for me to, to do the reading and the work necessary um, to learn these things. So, you know, for for some time in 2017, the prices went up. So I was even more, you know, obsessed with it. I thought it was, it was brilliant. Um, but that that wasn't to last. In 2018, we, we know what happened. The market nosedived. Um, and whilst I wasn't doing so well with, with the on the investment side, my conviction was, was really, really strong. Um, and I spent the next few years, I guess, just delving deeper, understanding the different protocols and starting to follow and speak with people um, in the industry. And then, you know, fast forward to 2021, and those investments had, had come good. Uh, and I was desperate to, to do something myself um, within the ecosystem. And after a chance uh, encounter with one of our friends, a guy called Tim, uh, the idea for, for Calyptus was born. And here we are today. Yeah, and um, I mean, my my path started, yeah, in 2017. I, I, I had a, my very first job was an internship at this wealth management firm in uh, St. Albans. Uh, and, and it wasn't really my cup of tea. It was, it was just a bit dry in terms of dealing with like investing in pensions and stuff. I, I've always been more on the adventurous side of investing. And um, I, there was this really smart techie guy, the tech lead at, at the wealth managers. Uh, and we used to talk about a lot of weird and wonderful stuff in the tech industry. He like introduced me to wait but why.com about how people try to piece together how and why the world works in, in humorous ways and, and one of those things was that he started talking to me about ethereum in summer 2017 uh and he called it this you know this new supercomputer which was using blockchain technology much like bitcoin uh and from then i was just, I was just kind of i was hooked uh i read like nathaniel popper's digital gold book which would i can highly recommend to anyone wanting to you know explore the originations of Bitcoin and how it was almost built, changing hands between radicalists and neoliberals and tech enthusiasts to Wall Street bankers. It was, you know, I just got completely immersed in it. Uh, a lot of YouTube videos, articles and, and, and Twitter. Um, and at that point, I either thought I leave uh, my wealth management 
a career behind or you know i uh, i follow something else and i thought let's just follow something else because i had so many friends and family wanting to invest in crypto i was one of the only people who who knew how to trade and store um and so i just had uh, so many people asking me whether i could be their portfolio manager to the point where uh, you know i i was setting up coinbase accounts i was trading for them even my girlfriend's step grandma was one of my <laughs> shrewdest investors. She jumped in at 8K in Bitcoin and jumped out at 16K two weeks later. Um, so it, it, it started with this this idea around cryptocurrency uh, uh, early on. And then of course, the first bull run came to an end and it dropped significantly. I had to find a normal job because I couldn't pay the bills living in London. Um, and and yeah, so I, I, I moved into venture capital for about three or four years from there because it, I fell in love with researching emerging technologies out of the back of it um and then yeah three or four years later um it just felt like right, the right time for us to you know finally actually uh, build something where it's using our passion and also our experience that we've learned over the last three or four years uh for myself and callum Sounds uh, sounds really exciting, and uh, um, I mean, I was going to ask this later later on anyway, but I feel like this has kind of like led us quite nicely to this point. Um, so, what what actually is Calyptus, and and what why should people be so excited about about what about what you guys are working on? Yeah, so uh, as as Callum was referring to earlier, you know, a, a, a good friend of ours in uh, web development, a super super smart guy. Um, uh, this was only about four months ago over Christmas, went for a beer with him and, and he was keen to uh, enter the uh, uh, Web3 space as a as a developer. Um, and given myself and Callum have been in, in crypto for the last four or five years, you know, uh, <laughs> we knew about non-technical education. We didn't know about technical education and where someone like himself could go. Uh, and, it, and it caused this serendipitous thing where we started researching the problem into more depths. And this kind of just gaping hole of, of or like a black hole of if issues just appeared like and we just realized that uh, you've got this industry that's worth about two trillion dollars and you only have several hundred thousand blockchain developers sustaining it like there's so much weight on their shoulders creating so much value um and you know there's so much uh, expectation there's so much hype around this industry and there are not many people who can actually live up to it um you know there's 32 billion was invested into this industry last year from VCs. And, and where's it, where, where can my money go if we don't have the, the talent to actually build better things in, in Web3? Um, to the point now where individuals are getting paid like 87% higher in salaries in Web3 because there isn't enough demand, uh, enough supply, sorry. Um, and it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bigger issue here at play, which is, you know, the industry has so much opportunity potential, not just in finance, but like, in supply chain management or for music or for art um, or for law. Um, and, you know, we just need more and better builders uh, in this ecosystem to make it thrive. And so what we realize is that you, know, you have to build this, this trusted bridge between web two and web three. Um, the idea being that, you know, let's build like a, a program which can train up these individuals who are software developers and make them real builders in, in this ecosystem. So. The solution is a you know an eight week full time expert led program which will transform these developers into blockchain developers, um, and you know the whole idea behind it is that you have all these other competitors which are looking at it on a part time basis or on demand basis, 
but you know, no one's really tackling it um, head on with a fully immersive full-time experience where we can actually challenge this reputation of hacks and scams and start making builders who really know what they're doing in the industry, really know how to build in this industry. Um, and we're starting with smart contract development. So um, um, Ethereum uses smart contracts, um, which, are, which is the execution layer of, of, of Ethereum. I won't get too complicated here, but what smart contracts do is that they, they replace intermediaries. So they, you know, if you are to use a bank account, like a bank, then you, you can replace um, your bank at NatWest. If you are to use uh, an underwriter for insurance, you can replace an insurer. So imagine if there's a car crash, um, God forbid, and you insured your car, you have things called oracles, which are real world things that track uh, events. They'll tell there's a car crash, they'll then pay out automatically to the individual who had the car crash, knowing full well that that car had crashed. And so you don't need these intermediaries anymore. And so what you're doing here is you've got smart contract developers who can build this these automated um, uh, uh, tools to make intermediaries just basically just disappear. It's this whole decentralized nature of, of, of Web3. Um, and so what we want to teach during our, our program is, you know, um, an introduction to Ethereum, how to build your first smart contract, um, how to test smart contracts using the likes of hard hat and waffle, um, how to uh, look at um, smart contract design using like open Zeppelin, interacting with your smart contracts. Um, and the whole idea is this whole eight week period is that you're, um, you're um, building DAOs or building a DeFi project or uh, building an NFT. Um, and you're literally at the very end going to have a whole plethora of, of projects you've worked towards within the, the uh, Web3 space that as soon as you've left, we want to plant you at a really exciting forward-thinking company of your choice, of course, that really takes um, your passion. Um, so our number one objective is to make sure that we get whoever comes into our program a job at the end of it. Uh, and we're currently partnering with dozens, if not hundreds of, of startups to ensure that um, you know, we, uh, we find individuals the, the right job in this industry and actually build it for the better. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. And I did have one of those moments when I saw you post on LinkedIn about it and I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then I read about it and I was like, wow, like, I, I can't believe this hasn't been like, you know, it was one of those moments was like, this is really cool. And like, I'm amazed that this isn't already such a huge ecosystem um, of, because uh, I mean, I, I'm really curious about Web3 myself as a programmer. And um, I have been learning a bit of solidity and stuff. And the information out there is just so um distributed um which sounds like a good thing when we're talking about blockchain um but i i can't think of the right word sparse is probably the word i'm looking for um it's mm -hmm. really tough to actually get a proper defined program and I, I, as you say there are sort of scams and stuff out there so having actually something defined and the bootcamp model is well known from conventional web development lots of people get into it that way um the fact that there was nothing like that for uh for, for web3 always surprised me so that's why i was so um uh so impressed with uh with, with what you guys are doing and i realized i was like i need to get them on the podcast <laughs> um when i saw so um that's really cool and uh um if people want to get into web3 uh it, either if they've got no programming experience or they are what we call like a conventional um developer obviously once your program launches there is one answer to that it's get it get onto your program um but other than that are there any uh, any strategies that people can use to get into this world potentially even in a non-programming role yeah i mean so um 
first and foremost, like if you want to get into this uh, into this world, like there there are a bunch of non topical courses that you can start with. Um, I started on the like the blockchain strategy course that Alta University um, uh, produced in 2018. That was a really good grounding for me in terms of learning the theory behind uh, behind blockchain. Um, but there's some other great ones out there like um, Unit Masters, which is free. It's six weeks long. There's one called Blockleap. Um, which is um, headed by uh, uh, an academic named Philippe Meduse. Um There's Coursera. There's Udemy. Uh, all these courses are, are fantastic for just getting a you know a, a, a footing in in the industry and just understanding kind of blockchain 101 uh, and how things work. Um, there are some also some fantastic um, individuals to follow on LinkedIn, like uh, Pete Huang, for example, who works at, at Coinbase now. Um, just some fantastic content. He goes into a Web three realist, and I, I love that kind of angle. Which is, look, there is there's a bad side and a good side to crypto. Let's actually decipher that and let's show how. Let's not try and cause hype. Let's actually create real value in this ecosystem uh, and show what 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 it can do. Um, there's Anthony Day who um, is at IBM. I think he's just moved actually. Uh, Laurie Keo at, at Coinbase as well, uh, and a, a lady called Susanna. Esteban, um, one of the founding members at uh, Oxford Blockchain uh, Foundation. Um, you know, th- those are some uh, great people to follow on LinkedIn uh, who just create content every day to 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 understand what's happening uh, in the ecosystem. Um, and and on top of that, like if if, if uh, so the the key thing for us is that blockchain is a is if you want to become a developer in this space, it's going from one to two, then going from zero to one. So if you want to um, be a blockchain developer, you're going to need um, you know, some sort of foundational level of knowledge in JavaScript or C++ or the likes of Python, because they're, they're very similar languages um, um, to Solidity, which is um, the, the, the smart contract language on, on, on Ethereum. So to start with JavaScript or, or, or those languages, it's fantastic, and I'm, I'm sure you've spoken about many of them before. But it's just to learn those those, those basics in terms of arrays and constants or variables, loops, or, or all those kind of key things you need to learn. Um, and there's like you know, there's free Code Camp, there's Khan Academy. Um, I I went on Code Academy last year just to try out uh, you know Python and, and data analytics. Um, but once you've got that that grounding and the non technical skills, you know that's when you can start actually um, learning Solidity uh, uh, and ent- entering the space via something like what we're building. Um, or there's uh, yeah, other free courses out there or part-time courses, if that if that's more flexible for your, your, your living, such as Udemy or Coursera um, uh, and Udacity, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because you actually anticipated a question I was going to ask related to that about whether it is better to just jump straight into it or to learn um, a convent uh, like a, a more established programming language first. And yeah, it's, it's funny. Sometimes I feel like this podcast can just be distilled down to just learn JavaScript or Python first before you do anything else. <laughs> That's it. Um, people always want to run before they walk, and like, I'm forever telling people mm-hmm. just learn one of those two, and then from there. You can from there. You can do whatever you want to do. Just uh, you need to get the fundamentals in one of those two languages first, because yeah. that's where the big ecosystem is. That's where a load of the like um, good beginning resources are. And yeah, I mean, having written a bit of Solidity myself, I'm like grateful that I know JavaScript because <laughs> it's not it's not that it's hard. It's just that it's helpful to have the grounding first. And uh, yeah, it's um, I was surprised with how easy it was to actually 
jump over to it. It's not too different um, for anyone that's experienced as a developer uh, themselves. But um, it's actually just, I found it tricky, actually. It's not hard to code, but it's hard to actually get your head around the whole smart contract, writing the actual smart contract. Writing the code is simple, but um, I guess that's always the way with, the, with, with these things um for sure and uh, i guess that's why going on some kind of structured courses that's where the value add is right um especially if with the employment support too because the employment market is uh, is a little bit confusing um, at the best of times um and i mean on, on a macro level as well um we're obviously all based in, in in the uk and the majority of listeners are in the uk um what do you each think that the government can do uh, to embrace Web3 slash decentralized finance. I mean, there's obviously been a bit of chat about GovCoin, um, you know, take that as you will. But um, what, what do you think that we can do to actually embrace this and not not sort of fear it, fear it, which often seems to be the way? <laughs> it, it sadly does seem to be the way um, pretty often. But yeah, just just actually a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the UK government uh, announced its ambition to become a, a global crypto hub, which which certainly sounds um, very positive. And, you know, the, the UK, thankfully, does have a very long history of being at the forefront um, of particularly financial innovation. So uh, they've laid out a few areas that they are going to really work on. You've, you've kind of brought one up already, CBDCs, central bank uh, digital currencies. Uh, so they will be a currency pegged to the the pound in this case, but you can have a, a, a digital currency pegged to any currency at all in the world. And again, what that does is it reduces borders. It makes the, the system much more efficient. So they are actively looking um, at the moment um, at regulating stable coins so that they can be uh, used for everyday um, matters in our lives. They're also doing lots of other work. Uh, for example, uh, they're launching a, a regulatory sandbox, which is essentially an environment where crypto businesses or blockchain-focused businesses can come and uh, explore and innovate in the field without uh, the, the fear of, of the regulators kind of bearing down on them. Um, so there's, there's certainly... A lot of hope there that this this is going to enhance the the various sectors um, of, of the economy. Uh, I think that I think that they're even they're even planning to to launch an NFT project. Um, so it's it's going to be by the Royal Mint, um, and I'm not entirely sure what whether it'll have utility, whether it will be a collectible. I know that the the you know there's lots of collectible coins already out there, so perhaps they're going to release their own kind of profile picture um, NFT collection I'd be probably somewhat surprised with that uh, but they are releasing an NFT which is exciting and it and, you know it definitely demonstrates that the the government are, are not ignoring cryptocurrencies and, and things like NFTs um, any longer but you know for for, for us and for, for Calyptus we, we kind of talk about security um, an awful lot so in my eyes it's a lot about the government ensuring um, that we have a very um, strong uh, protections for for consumers. So, encouraging people to protect themselves uh, against scammers, for example, uh, educating 
is, is the important word. There's a lot of education that needs to be done uh, around cryptocurrency. It's a very, it's a very new thing. Um, and there's different ways of interacting uh, with, with cryptocurrency. So for example, people need to understand that they, they should never share their private keys with anybody because if you lose your money in cryptocurrency, there is no bank that you can go and ask for it back from. Uh, there is no insurance. Uh, it is it is lost. So you need to be double and tripping, ch- triple checking every website that you put in, uh, that any, any website um, that you're accessing. You need to keep your private keys in what's called cold storage. So not online. Uh, use that old thing called a pen and paper um and 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 really they they need to just keep pushing the message to to do your own research into cryptocurrency projects and and be hyper vigilant on um following investments um because yeah there's it's a bit it's a bit like the wild west um out there yeah, definitely. And in, in, in good ways and bad ways. I mean, it's not, scams are nothing new. I think sometimes um, a lot of the legacy finance types like to like to push back, oh, it's so scammy. But like, you know, obviously in, in, leg- in the legacy financial system, there are still so many scams out there. So I think uh, sometimes people overrate that aspect of it. But yeah, yep. I can, um, it, it definitely exists. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Cam. And, and I think, yeah, TradFi gives gives crypto a pretty bad name given that you know there's banks left right and center being fined hundreds of millions for fraud or helping people launder money um i think there's there's massive issues in both the the important thing is that the control is put back in the end users hands with cryptocurrency and with decentralization and for me that is really important and and that spells yeah the beginning of of what I see as a revolution, I am very much believe that that this will be the future, um, and that hopefully governments won't be get their hands on our money in the future. <laughs> yeah, go full, uh, full. Uh, is it El Salvador where they've just fully made Bitcoin legal tender now? Um, I can't see that. us doing that anytime soon, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't advise that for uh, any kind of like nation to be. Uh... Uh, uh, control their their, uh, their their currency, but I mean it's it, it's basically what what it is. It's it's a huge experimental petri dish. This whole blockchain ecosystem, and it's and because it's decentralized, it means there are many people involved with it, and it's and it's not like you know uh, encapsulated in a in a factory where I don't know Elon Musk is building parts for his rocket ship and he blows that up, and it's and it's and it's just his company that's at risk here. It's other people because they're people's money who are investing, and so that we're all part of this, ex- this very exciting industry that is still an experiment. And you know, how do we get to this point where blockchain uh, hacks aren't happening anymore? Because you know, blockchains are are, are meant to be immutable. They are things that shouldn't be able to be uh, hacked in in certain ways. Um, and so you know, it, it almost comes back to what we're building is this idea of. Let's build a platform where the best um, developers can have the uh, the highest training possible to make the most secure uh, smart contracts within this ecosystem to work. Because you know it's it's so well said and done if if the government provide education on, on scams and things, but you know if, 
if the technology doesn't work properly, then, you know, <laughs> the industry doesn't work. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's double-sided and, and that's why we're so firmly believe that we have to be creating highly trained individuals to be uh, at the forefront of this industry and the users in this industry have to make sure they really educate themselves uh, on, on, on yeah, scams and, and being really safe with their money as being a part of this whole exciting experiment. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, um, it's a great message. And, uh, yeah, encouraging people to get involved safely is, uh, yeah, um, a really good thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of brings us on to, um, you know, how, how, how can people, uh, get involved with what, with what you guys are doing? Like, I understand your first cohort will be, um, later this year. Can you, can you say a little bit more about, about that and what, what the latest is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're right. Uh, our first cohort will be launching in um, Q4 of, of this year. Um, we are currently designing our, our syllabus, um, which is very exciting. And, and the way that we're doing that is we're working with companies to understand what skills are most desirable for them. What do they want to be in our program so that we can build it around their needs and give our students uh, uh, an even higher chance of getting hired um, after the program. So what I would uh, say to, to any and all of you who uh, this has piqued your interest is please do follow us on, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, you can follow both our personal and our company pages. Um, if you would like to sign up to the platform, then there is a pre-registration link on our website, um, which we'll put a link for um, in, in the podcast notes here. Um, but please do pre-register. Uh, we'll get back to you and keep you updated um, on a monthly basis as to um, yeah the, our developments and, and exactly when the course will be kicking off. Dan, I don't know if you have anything to add there. No, yeah, I mean, I think if... If you if you're interested in Web three and um, you have an ambition to uh, career path into the industry um, and you have two plus years software development experience, you know we'd really love to to hear from you and and speak with you and uh, tell you more about about what we're building and, and keep you in the loop every step of the way until Q four and on when we actually launch this thing um, because you know uh, yeah we we want to have uh, uh, as many individuals contributing to our our first cohort as much as possible so. Uh, we can help the ecosystem as fast as possible too, and and get this feedback loop of, of how we can improve uh, our, our course uh, over the next year. I think a final point to add, Cam, is that uh, our first program will be free, um, so there's there's that small benefit there um, for for people uh, that might be interested. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, if that's not incentive for people to sign up and, uh, and register their interest right now, I don't know what is. I mean, uh, I'm also super glad as well that you guys um, are liaising with uh, with employers and hearing what they want to do and, and the fact you're not rushing it and it's going to be in a few months. And it's uh, it, it's really good to hear. And it sounds like it's going to be really sustainable and employment focused, which I think is so important when it comes to like a boot camp kind of system that it's employment focused rather than churning people out. So um, I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited to see more about the journey of, um, of Calyptus. And uh, yeah, sounds uh, sounds really exciting. And uh, so if people want to uh, follow you guys individually as well, is like LinkedIn, LinkedIn kind of best? LinkedIn is probably best. We are, um, we've just set out uh, trying to build our audience on Twitter too. So uh, do give us a follow there. Uh, we don't have too many just yet, uh, but we're getting there. Um, 
Um, I'm in the same position if it's any consolation. Uh, it's it hard to grow on that. <laughs> it's difficult. You're, you're further than us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely working on it. Um, uh, yeah, find us on, on, on LinkedIn for now. The name Daniel Jones is, 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 is <laughs> pretty homogenous. Uh, but if you find, if you find Calypso, C-A-L-Y-P-T-U-S, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll put it in the, in the, in the post. But yeah, you'll, you'll find us from there. Brilliant. Yeah, all the links will be in the description. Little LinkedIn hack as well, actually. If because uh, Cameron Blackwood's a relatively generic name in Scotland as well. Um, if you search up my, uh, if you search up where the person works as well, even just their fr- uh, first name on LinkedIn, it will pop up. Um, so it's quite handy. Uh, it's what I, I used to do when I was in technical recruitment quite a bit, um, just to try and track down the right person. Um, anyway, <laughs> LinkedIn hacks oh, aside, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast on LinkedIn hacks at some point, I think, just because um, there's there's a lot. It's it's useless information to me now, so I'll um, I'll, I'll try and pass on that knowledge. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> my diatribe on LinkedIn aside, uh, it's been a real pleasure um, ha- having you uh, having you both on the podcast, and I've personally learned a lot, and I'm sure the audience has as well. So thanks thank you both for coming on cheers cam it's great to be part of it and uh we'll keep on listening yeah all the best appreciate it cam thanks much appreciate thanks everyone right cheers thanks as well to the listeners for tuning in for another episode of the coder career um i hope you have a great week and happy coding